go ahead and, well, I'll tell you what, before I read the passage, I forgot, I wanted, I usually just start off by reading the passage, but I needed to set up this a little bit just so that um, I can catch you up to where we are today, and this won't take very long, but uh, in our story here, all of chapter 17 is about David and Goliath, and uh, Pastor Laramie preached last week, did a wonderful job, I, I tuned in to that as it was, as he was preaching it, and um, we pick up the story where he left off, where David goes down into the battlefield to basically deliver some goods for his brothers. That's a, a mission that his father sent him on. And while he's down there, Goliath comes out and he defies the army of Israel, as he had been doing. The Bible says he had been doing this for 40 days. But uh, this time, when he came out to defy the army of Israel, uh, David heard the giant's challenge. And that was the first time David had heard him do that. So when Goliath challenged the men of Israel, the Bible says that they fled from him and were much afraid. They, he came out, challenged them, and everybody's kind of shaking in their armor, and no one wants to face uh, the giant. But David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Uh, valid question, right? And, and he was the only one who was asking that question. Uh, for some reason, and for the glory of God and the good of his people, David had it in his heart to challenge Goliath, to basically take away the reproach of Israel there in that time, or the shame of Israel, but also to give us a wonderful picture of the Savior that would come to save us from our sin. So that's kind of where we pick up, and uh, that's where we're going to pick up from today, and I'm going to read verses 31 through 40. He says, When the words that David spoke were heard... They repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servants will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock. I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of its, his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who had delivered me, and David said, the Lord who had delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go, but he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. And then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So as we study this passage, we learn from David's, uh, it, it's important for us to learn from David's experiences here. Uh, there are some really important lessons that we can apply to our lives. But more, more importantly, we must understand that David was a messianic uh, figure. It means uh, he was a type and a shadow of Christ, uh, the Christ to come. And I really think that's the purpose of 1 Samuel chapter 17. 
is for us to see, to, to go back in the scripture and, and see how God was showing us that he was going to deliver his people and how he was going to do it. And it's wonderful when you go back and, and read that, because if you go back and if you look at this chapter from a man-centric type of a point of view, then, then yeah, you're, 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 the, you're David, right? So uh, you're David and, and, and you, you can conquer your giants and all that stuff, all that fluff or whatever. But in reality, that doesn't bring any glory to God, right? So in essence, we can't be David because we're just like the Israelites. We're, we're shaking in, in our armor. We're the ones who are afraid of the ultimate enemy. Uh, but someone who can be David was Christ. Christ was the one who defeated uh, our enemy and defeated death for us. So it's a wonderful picture of what Christ would do uh, for his people, the redemption that they would have through Jesus Christ. So through, the, through this encounter here with Goliath, God is showing us that in Jesus Christ, he would provide a savior to conquer the greatest enemy of mankind, but also to provide victory over our sins. And so today we will see how David's simple qualities, because he's a very simple man from, uh, from a physical standpoint, uh, also his immense power and intense bravery basically point to the life and ministry of the Lord. That, that's what they point to. We will also see how, God's, uh, how God empowered David with these qualities so that, number one, he could actually walk in them. They had a purpose. They weren't just for him to be super strong, super quick, super smart, super capable, whatever. It was for the ministry that God had placed him in. So uh, he gave them these qualities so that he could walk in them for his glory, but also for the good of his people. And we're the same way. God has bestowed upon us gifts that we need to use for his glory and the good of his people. If you were in Sunday school, you heard Pastor Laramie just talking about that right now from Romans chapter 16. So it's pretty cool how these two go together. And God has been doing that a lot lately. But uh, first of all, let's gain some context. I, I want to talk about how David was the champion that no one expected. I think that's important for us to, to really think about as we go through this passage. He was the champion that no one expected. You see, from the beginning, David was confident. Even though you look upon David and you're like, you know, Saul did it. He's like, there's no way you can challenge uh, Goliath. You can't challenge this warrior. And David was confident that he could beat Goliath, despite all the great disadvantages that he had. For instance, Goliath, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. He was nine and a half feet tall. Um, his helmet weighed 30 pounds. His coat of armor weighed 150 pounds. The shaft of his spear weighed 15 pounds. And the spear point uh, weighed 15 pounds as well. So in total, his armor alone weighed 210 pounds, more than, than David weighed. I'd, I'd rather, I put my money on it, more than David weighed. Uh, that was the, the, the weight of Goliath's armor. No telling how much Goliath weighed. Also, Goliath was a man of war from his youth. You ever, I tell my wife this sometimes, there are some guys, and some girls too as well, they have this look. They have this look. It's either a scar, if you see someone with cauliflower ears, or a scar down their lip, or just somewhere, and just a hard, hard face, you're like, I'm not messing with that guy. Right? You just know. You've seen it. They've been battle tested and you know like, okay, well, I have to be careful with him and nowadays with her too. But like, that's Goliath. You look upon him and you're like, wow, 
He's just intimidating. He's a force to be reckoned with. And for David to look upon him and think that he could beat him, I mean, it was either a great sense of pride or it was the Lord working in his heart. And from what we understand, we see that the Lord is working in his heart with a purpose. Now, since we went over Goliath's stats, now let's go over David's stats. Well, the Bible doesn't spend much time talking about like how he was physically gifted or, or how he was strong or how he was tall or anything like that. Rather, the Bible says that he was ruddy, he had beautiful eyes, and he was handsome. Yeah, who would you pick, right? If they were in a ring together, you have this nine and a half foot giant who, who just looked like a warrior, and he was a warrior from his youth, and he had all this armor on, and here's David, no armor. He's basically, he's basically cute. He has beautiful eyes, you know, and that's, that's all he has going for him. Not only that, but David was a youth. So we have the experience of Goliath, and he's been battle-tested, and David just looked like a little boy compared to Goliath. So David was clearly the underdog, but what's awesome about this passage in this chapter is to see that David was clearly not afraid of the giant. Um, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Now, what's cool about this is that there's a difference between saying something and then going and delivering it. Because you know, I've talked to a lot of guys where they're in a situation where it's like, well, if I were in that situation, this is what I would do. Or this is what I said. And then you're like, did you really say that? that well, no, I wanted to. Right. So it's like a different story. But he said it. And then he went out there and he did it. See, David's greatest, greatest advantage was not anything physical. Because he didn't have a physical advantage against Goliath. That's easy to see. David's advantage was that he knew that the Lord was with him. David's advantage, rather, was that the Lord was with him. And the Spirit of the Lord had been preparing him for this moment in time. Have you ever gotten in a situation where you're like, man, that's what that was for? Like everything that you had gone through previously, you're like wondering, like, what is, what's going on here? How do I deal with this? Why is this happening? God, take this away from me. And then all of a sudden, it's just like an epiphany. You're in this particular situation and you fully understand what you just went through was about. That's an awesome thing to happen. And I feel like that's what David is going through here. Um, if you would look with me, look at verses 34 to 36. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And where there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of, the, out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. He, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Wonderful speech. Man, Saul's hearing this. He's like, wow, that is awesome. But I think what's going on here is that David's reminding himself of what he's been through in the past. We know that David was anointed by Samuel to be the next king, but he hadn't taken the office yet. It was kind of a private ceremony. And he was told, you will be king one day. So when he became, when he was anointed, the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord left uh, Saul and entered into David. And so at that time, David began, you know, he, the, the, the spirit was working in him and doing these mighty acts that David is talking about here. 
But one thing I notice about David is that he is mostly alone. We've read a couple of situations already where whenever they came to anoint him, uh, they came before his father. His father had all his brothers walk out before them. But David wasn't there. Why? Because he was tending the, 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 the sheep of his of his dad. So he's mostly alone and he's the one who does most of the work for his father. Here, the same situation where the brothers are off at war and David is left behind to uh, tend his father's sheep. So David is, is, is back and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, but it's not uneventful. While he's there, things are happening. Things that maybe he didn't understand at the time, but it, he does now. See, because while attending his father's sheep, uh, the sheep were attacked by lions and bears, and it's plural, because David says, I mean, they, it, you know, he saved, uh, God saved me from the hands of the lions and of the bears, and he surely would do it against this Philistine. So David rescued them, but what happens whenever you rescue uh, a wild animal's food? You become their food, right? So they go after, they rise against David, and David says when they rose against him, that the Lord empowered him to kill both the lion and the bear. And I want to remind us that, you know, David, it's not his physical stature. It's not like he had this awesome power from his birth. It was when the, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. So when the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, David became this awesome fighter, this awesome protector, this awesome deliverer. And as I said before I opened this sermon, it was for a purpose. It was for uh, the glory of God and the good of his people. And it's happening right now. And David's realizing it. He's like, man, everything, everything I've been through. See, the power that David had, this power was not his own. It came from God. It came from the Lord. And it's awesome when you go to the New Testament. The New Testament tells us that we are all empowered by the same Holy Spirit. And that the power, the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to do the work of the Lord. And there are things that we could not do before we were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Like, for instance, I mean, we all have our own stories. But for instance, for me, I could not preach before I became a Christian, before the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. I had no desire to preach at all. I had no desire to be in church. The only reason why I was in church is because this beautiful woman standing, sitting before you right now. She was the only reason why I started attending church. So I, had, I didn't have the want to and I didn't have the ability. But once the Spirit of the Lord came upon me, it started with this yearning to preach the word of God. There are some of you who are teachers. There are some of you who serve others. There are some of you who do the things that you do for the Lord in your jobs. You didn't have those abilities until the Spirit of the Lord came upon you. There's a reason why he came upon you. There's a reason why he has equipped you. It's for his glory and the good of his church. We're no different than David in that, in that aspect. But think of how unpleasant it was for David. He had this, here comes the, uh, uh, the priest of the nation. He comes before David. He anoints him as king and he says, you're, you you're going to be the next king of Israel. You just have to be patient about Saul God will take care of Saul, but you will be the king. So he's anointed as the future king. But so think of how unpleasant it was for David to be fighting against wild animals as a shepherd. 
get all the brothers, they get to have all the fun, right? They get to go and go to war. They get to go all this glorious lifestyle. David is behind shepherding his father's sheep. And, and he, at the same time, he's being attacked by lions and by bears. And it just seems like, I don't know, I, I think David was confused maybe. Maybe confused because here you have this calling, this anointing, but then nothing is happening. And it's a matter of years, not days, not months, years. Nothing is happening. It's like always the potential, but never the, you know, the, the coming of that potential. Uh, never, the potential never re- uh, materializing. So he's probably confused about his circumstances. And he probably wanted things to change. But all the while, God was preparing him for Goliath. We're in the same, we're in the same boat. We've been in this cycle for years. We want things to change. We're confused about what's going on. And all the while, God is preparing us. See, have you ever stopped to think that God is empowering you and preparing you through your struggle and your pain? Have you ever really thought about that? And because we spend time, most of our time, wanting to be relieved of what we're struggling through. Wanting to be relieved of what, what, what pain is in our life. But if we ever stop to think that God is empowering us through what we are going through, maybe our prayer would change. Maybe instead of saying, God, take this away from me, it would be, God, help me to endure this for your glory, for your honor. See, he is providentially training you right now. Through the consequences of your sin. You're like, how can God train me through my own sin? Because I have this sin that I I, I commit on a regular basis and I just struggle with it and I have a hard time with it. And I just wish that God would take it away from me. You're like, how can how can God use that? Man, God can use that. See, through the consequence of your sin He is equipping you to help others who deal with the same sin. Right. Because you're you're batting against it. I'm not talking about situation where it's just like I'm just in my sin. I'm just letting it have me. No, that's a different story. But when you're battling against sin and you've already been through it, you've you've battled this sin for some time and you see this brother, you see this sister and they're battling the same thing. You can grab you can put your arm around them. and You can say, hey, I've been through this before. You're not alone. I can help you. Believe me, I'm not looking down on you. We are all fallen and we need Christ. Let me speak to you about that. But it's not only pertaining to sin. How about through the pain of sickness? You'll be able to minister to someone else who is going through that same sickness or something similar. How about through the loss of a loved one? You'll be able to learn to comfort others through a troubled marriage. You'll gain wisdom to help another couple. I can go on and on and on of how God is currently equipping us right now. It's not about tomorrow. It's about today in our current circumstances and what we are going through right now. A lot of times we walk around defeated thinking there is no purpose to what I'm going through. But with God, we must understand there is a purpose. Absolutely nothing is wasted with the Lord. Nothing. We are being sanctified through the good, through the bad, and through the ugliness of life. And I guarantee he will 
use your situation for his glory and the good of his people. He will. He will do it. Thomas Chase says this, by suffering God's will, we learn to do God's will. Beautiful. Simple, but beautiful. See, David learned from fighting the lion and the bear. He learned some great lessons. But most of all, this is what he learned. And he says it here in the passage. David learned that the Lord would deliver him. Look at verse 37. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Boom. That's why he's not afraid. He, and he understands. He's like, yeah, it wasn't me. I, I don't have this, this power. I'm 110 pounds soaking wet, right? He, he understands. He's like, it was the Lord who did it. And I witnessed it. I saw him. He did it. And I know that he will do it again, some way, somehow. I don't understand how he's going to do it, but I know that I can trust that he will deliver me. And I'm willing to bet, I'm willing to bet David was like, he was willing to put his life on the line through life, through death, through anything. I know that the Lord's going to win this battle. And it's an awesome testimony that, the, that, that uh, David is giving to Saul. And if we look at that, man, that's the greatest lesson of all, isn't it? For us to learn through what we go through in life, the, the good, the bad, and the ugliness, for us to learn that the Lord will deliver us, and that's, that's the greatest lesson. You see, because it's good to gain wisdom. It's good to gain knowledge. That helps us to help others. But to gain a faith that knows that no matter what, the Lord will deliver you, that's invaluable. Because no matter how bad life gets, no matter how things look, that's trust in the Lord that he will deliver you one way or another you're trusting him and the only way you've learned that is because you've seen him do it time and time again knowing that the lord will deliver you and it enables you it helps you it enables you to have courage knowing that the lord will deliver you it enables you to keep serving because many times while we're serving, we're like, what's the point? What's the purpose? What am I doing here? I'm not seeing any fruits. But when we know that the Lord will deliver us, it's like, I don't understand this. I'm not seeing any fruit, but I need to walk in obedience because I know the Lord is working in this. Trusting and knowing that the Lord will deliver you will also help you to not give up or to give in. Knowing that the Lord will deliver you, it will help you to trust in him. But, but this is what it does. Knowing that the Lord will deliver you no matter what, it's going to give you hope. And from what we understand, hope does not disappoint. In the darkest of times, the toughest of times, when, when we physically have a hard time and we're having a hard time praising God. Our spirit, our spirit is, is just yelling out the praises of God. Saying, it doesn't matter, God is good. Hope 
Hope is the greatest fruit of knowing that the Lord will deliver you. So that's kind of the context there of who David is. And, and David was this, you know, this unexpected hero. But when we look at the biblical truth of this and what this chapter is doing or what, the, what God is doing through this chapter, we see Christ. And Jesus was also a champion that no one expected. Or in other words, Jesus was the savior that no one expected. See, we should first, before I even get to, to that, I, I, there's some really awesome, they're not coincidences, but they're, they're awesome truths and types and shadows in this chapter that we have to look at that, that are pointing us specifically to Christ. Uh, first is David's occupation. There are some parallels between him and Christ. First of all, he's, he's a shepherd. And what is he doing? He's protecting his sheep. And we see that in verses 34 through 36. And I've already read that to you. But when the lion and bear come, there he goes. He strikes them. He grabs their beard and strikes them and kills them. And when we relate that to Christ, what does Christ say of himself in the New Testament? Well, he says this in John 10, verses 14 through 15. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Man, that's a beautiful parallel between who who David represented and then who Christ was. He is the David was a shepherd and he was pretty good at it because he protected the sheep. But he was nothing in comparison to the true shepherd who would come. And as you can see, David goes and he protects the sheep. They get drugged off by the lion and the bear. Well, Jesus says, I am the true shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And the enemy is not a lion and a bear, but the enemy is the devil. It's the greatest enemy we have. And as a true shepherd, he has saved us from the teeth of the enemy. Just as David struck down the lion and bear, we see that the Lord has struck the head of the enemy. He has saved us from his grip and the consequences of our sin. And Saul's, but, but that's, that's one thing for us to see. But what I want us to look at within this verse here or within uh, this part of the chapter is Saul's response to David. To me, it's very troubling. David gives all this spill and, and then he's, he's like, you know, I, I'm able to do this. And, and Saul's really pumped up. He's like, yeah, good job. He says, great, go and the Lord be with you. That's what he says. Now, I don't know, maybe it's just my negative point of view sometimes. Uh, some people might look at that and they're like, wow, look, Saul's really behind him. To me, the way I see that is you go ahead because I don't want to. Yeah, good, go for, good for you. You go ahead. But at the same time, how much of a coward is Saul? He's sending a young boy to battle a man. And we talked about it before, how Saul was supposed to be the champion of Israel. And he's like, yeah, I'm happy for you, David. Go and the Lord be with you. Now, what's cool about that is how the Lord turned that around. And that was that was a blessing for David. And it was a sign to us to show that, yes, the Lord was with David. David. But Saul did recognize the obvious disadvantage that David had against Goliath, and he was glad to send him away. And what's even worse is that David, or excuse me, Saul, even gave David his personal armor to go ahead and go fight. 
He's like, oh, great, you want to fight him? Well, let me take off my armor and let me put it on you. I'm not going to need this. I have no, see, that tells you his intent. He had no intention of fighting. He was like, I, you know, you're probably going to lose, but here, go ahead and wear my armor. And uh, if you don't make it, we'll find someone else who can fight for this nation. So he gives them his personal armor, but of course it didn't work for David. But that shows us something about Saul. His willingness to let David fight his battles for him. To me, it's a very sad situation to see where how Saul was empowered by the Lord initially and then where he's at now. And, you know, the spirit of the spirit of God made Saul capable, made him a great warrior. And once the spirit of the Lord left Saul, he was nothing. The same thing for us. We are nothing without the Lord. Now, when we look at this passage, it should have been Saul suiting up and going to battle, but it wasn't. Instead, the Bible says that David took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in the shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Isn't that awesome? It's like a great movie scene, isn't it? It's like, this is, this is the cliffhanger. This is where we end off, and Pastor Laramie gets to bring us home next week with this with this uh, uh, chapter here. But it's just, it's just like a cliffhanger. It's like, boom, right there. You're like, what's going to happen? Here's this cute little boy against this big old giant. You know, like, what's, what's going to happen? Of course, we know what happens, but it's just the, the picture is there. And you're looking at that picture, and you're like, there's no way David should win. There's no way David should even have the courage to do this. There, there's, there's no way. But we have to understand something here. Because we can look at Saul and we can say, man, how cowardly is Saul? I would never be that kind of man. And we have been. We are. We are Saul. See, in the same way, we can point to ourselves and our failures. First, we can start with Adam. It should have been Adam to keep the Ten Commandments. But it wasn't. We can go on and on and on. We can even include David in this. Should have been David to save the people of God. But it wasn't. It should have been us, right? It should have been us, but it wasn't. The Bible says all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have fallen prey to the schemes of the devil. All have sinned and all together have become worthless. All need to be delivered from the wrath of God. See, the Lord is our deliverer. He is our David. Like David, on the outside, Jesus looked very common. Looked very common. People could not, would not believe that he was the Savior that would come. Even John the Baptist, whose whole ministry in life was anointed just for that reason, had his own doubts when he saw Christ. Eventually, the Spirit of the Lord helped John with that, but many just did not expect it to be Jesus. Even though he looked common on the outside, his essence was God in the flesh. The Lord entered his creation. He endured every temptation of mankind. 
You know the things that you have to endure and you fail to every single day? Jesus endured that and remained sinless. That hits me more than just saying, well, Jesus was sinless. When I get it personal and I'm like, the unrighteous anger that I have in my heart, a lot of times that's hard for me to deal with. Yeah, Jesus dealt with that and he, he, he knocked it out of the park. He never sinned against the Lord with unrighteous anger. That's amazing to me. The, the little white lies that you do that I say, you know, I may lie with somebody or, or, or tell them something like in a kidding way. And I'm just like, I'm, well, it's not a lie. I'm just kidding. That really annoys people. But I am just really kidding. But even in that, sometimes our motives aren't right. You know, we can go on and on about the things that we do on a daily basis. Jesus was tempted in every way and yet was without sin. Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3 say this. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. You see, we have to recognize that David pointed to a savior who came, who came to save the lost. He came to battle against the enemy. He came and defeated death for us. He and he alone is our true Lord and savior. He and he alone is our true deliverer. So let's wrap this up. Application time. How do we respond to this? How should we live knowing that Christ is our deliverer? When you see what, what David points to, you see what the Lord has done for us, how, do we, how should we live? Well, three things. Number one, we should live a life of devotion towards our deliverer. Now, that's, let's start there. We should live a life of devotion towards our deliverer. We have many things, so many things that pull us in different directions. And this is happening so often that we get our priorities out of order. And these things, they become idols. And even though we do not want to admit it, we're like, I do not have any idols in my life. We have idols in our lives. That take us away from the Lord. And I know that because our hearts are idol factories. The word of God says it. So we're being pulled in different directions by these idols that we have placed in our hearts. That we have developed in our hearts. And the reason why they're idols is because they take our hearts away from the one who created us. And the thing is, is that we set up a bunch of excuses to to basically get through life and to kind of avoid talking about these idols, kind of avoid dealing with these idols. And these excuses, they don't get us anywhere with the Lord. Because scripture commands that Christ be our first and foremost. Our life must be lived in worship to him and in obedience to his word. So let me ask you these questions. In the light of what I just said, are you living in the joy of the Lord? 
that goes really well with what I just said. Because the Lord says that you should be content with what you have, that you are equipped for life and godliness through your knowledge of Jesus Christ. He has given you everything you need. Like, we should be living in the joy of the Lord no matter what is happening to us. Are you doing that? Also, are you seeking after God and his word? Are you serving the household of God? Now, these are really quick, simple questions, but you can answer them in your head. But if you're not, then let me ask you, where is your devotion to God, to the God who delivered you? Because we can say, I love the Lord. I love the Lord with all my heart. I, I, I just, you know, I just, I, my life, I'm fully devoted to him. But if we are true and honest with ourselves and do an assessment of our lives, and just with these quick questions, do we truly live a life of devotion to the Lord? Or is it about us? Is it about us? If things aren't going well, it's like, well, I don't want to go to church today. Things aren't going well, it's like, well, I don't want to read today. I don't want to pray today. I just don't feel like it. You see, that's the great thing about devotion. You do it if you feel like it or not. You do it because we are commanded to do it. Secondly, we should respond to our deliverer by trusting him with our lives. You see, from birth, our lives are filled with trouble. We are embattled daily by the enemy of our souls. If left to our own devices, we would have no hope. But we have the Lord. Amen? We have the Lord. No matter what we face, no matter how bruised up we are, beat up we are, we have to know that we have the Lord. The psalmist proclaims this, He says, in my distress, I call upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. When we belong to the Lord, we always have that. The fact that the Lord hears our prayers and he responds according to his will, which is perfect. See, we can be confident that our prayers reach the ears of the Lord. He is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our deliverer. I want you to think about this and really consider this. There is nothing that has come against you that can overpower, that can outlast or outsmart the Lord. He has told us in his word that he is able and willing to deliver his covenant people from their trouble. We must be still and we must wait on the Lord, trusting that he is able to fulfill his promises. And then third, we should tell others about our deliverer. There are others who do not know the deliverer we know. They're walking around, their minds are darkened, and they have no hope. Imagine your life without hope. It'd be no life at all. That's who, that's how some people are walking around. They are in despair, and yet they are crying out for help. They have no idea who could help them. They have no idea who, could, who to even cry out to. That's where we come in. We must tell them where our help comes from, right? 
because we know that our help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. When we tell them this, we must not just tell them casually or flippantly, but in a way that will help them to recognize the urgency of their own situation. They are spiritually lost. They are spiritually blind. They are spiritually deaf. But so were we. And we know a Savior who can heal their brokenness and who can save them. That's the message that we have in us. That we must be obedient to share with the people that God has placed in our lives. Now, if you're not doing one or any of these things, then my question to you this morning is why not? Are you too caught up in your own personal things? Have you made yourself the center of your world? What excuses are you making for your sin? Obviously, God is full of mercy and grace and he is willing to forgive us and he is willing to help us. But we have a responsibility and it starts with the repentance of our own sin and believing that God is our greatest need and that we must live for him. Let us pray.